All right. Hello and welcome back to the Backwards Infect. I'm Kane, as always, here with my brother Luke, and welcome to this present moment. You can always reach us on Twitter at the Backwards Infect, and uh, we also have a Gmail that we can be reached at as well. How you doing, Luke? What do you got for us tonight? Doing good, man. Good to be here, as always. Um, I think we're kind of been starting off with a word or a couple words of that have had meaning as far as contrast before and after an awakening. Perceived differently. Um, and I think it has to do with how you learn before you're awakened. You kind of, you, you learn, um, different, different style. It's more like memorization and, um, thought processes. And, um, then when you have, you know, a spiritual awakening, you have this universal truth that gives you the guidance to see things clearly and, words start to take on a, a whole nother dimension really. Um, but, uh, you mentioned a couple of days ago, meditation and awareness, and I'll start with meditation. And I think you had some differences too, since you woke up. So and before meditation, it's kind of like, kind of like how I saw God Meditation, a thing, God being a person that I would, that I had mental image in my head, but the way I looked at him would be the same thing on how you learn things when you're a kid from culture. I saw meditation as something in a different culture that, you know, mental image of Indian style, um, also thought processes of, you know, people that were not necessarily aligned with my culture. Um, me people that were just different than, than what I was taught growing up. So, and, and the way I looked at God was that, you know, person idol, like, um, same way you look at Jesus, like idol, like, um, far away, distant, untouchable, um, on a throne somewhere. What I've mentioned and wrote about called the ancient God syndrome, which are what most people in religion and, um, churches, they, they treat God as though it's a, a worshiped figure that's untouchable. It's also where the word, um, a lot of, ego trips come out of it as well. Like, um, nobody can be perfect. If you said you're perfect, then you're blasphemous or no one can be like Jesus. Um, well, how could you ever say you could be like Jesus? So a lot of that blasphemy is backwards in nature. Um, the word meditation coming, being raised in somewhat of a Christian household Meditation and and wasn't really a strict household, so I don't have these hardcore like anti meditation thoughts in my head as I'm growing up, but just just as a product of 
you know, where I came from, meditation was not something I ever thought I needed to pursue. Um, so after I awakened, well, actually meditation, the word meditation is what got me to my spiritual awakening. So once I learned where the door was, then the unlearning had to take place. And meditation is just another word. Like you can call it be still and know. You can call it um, your quiet time. You can call it, you know, going, you can call it whatever you want to call it. Just the label of the word meditation is used a lot and widely accepted, but there has to be some type of going inward if you're going to have a spiritual awakening, there has to be some kind of unlearning process, whether it be fast and seconds and minutes in your case, or it be, you know, a couple week process of unwinding and, and spending that quiet time with yourself and unraveling uh, the learned and, and just really seeking the truth. And, effortlessly quieting your mind and realizing that you can separate yourself from it because the, the trying to stop the thoughts or the trying to, you know, I'm not going to think anymore. Um, you know, I can, I actually have a memory of, of a preacher, the church we went to grow up to in the sermon. He said, have you ever tried to stop your thoughts? And, and I can remember it to this day. Some of those things that stick out in your mind that you remember that 90% of stuff you don't remember, but I remember this. And he said, it's almost impossible to do. And I remember that and it always stuck with me. And, and I, and, and I pondered on that even in, in, in there, like, yeah, he's, he's right. Like it, you, it's nearly impossible to do that. So, that's a fact that pretty much everyone knows whether you're awakened or not. So the, the whole idea of meditation and what I thought it was, was basically my own ignorance because before I awakened, I was ignorant to even what, what, what that word meant. But now it's more, it's, it's, uh, I can't stop my thoughts. It has to be effortless observing. I have to realize I'm the awareness behind the thought. And, and once you, discover you're the awareness behind the thought that's when the awakening starts to happen because most people are so enveloped in their thought process that one and two are the same ego is the same entity is the same it's it's a self-creation it's it lives and breathes it's it's its own oneness it's everything learned everything culture um, so the very first realization in meditation, as far as how we apply effort is no, not trying to like stop thoughts from coming. It's merely impossible. I still have crazy thoughts today. I have thoughts in my head. I'm like, where the hell did that come from? But the recognition that they're coming from some source that doesn't abide in you kind of is relieving in the beginning. And then the, the second word was awareness. And even if the source does abide in you, yeah, that still isn't you. Right. 
which leads me to the second word awareness um i never really thought about the word awareness before i awakened um what i thought being aware uh, you know before definitely a very surface level um description of what what i would think the awareness uh, word meant that you you know maybe you go out on a clear night and you're aware of the stars in the sky, but it's, it's hard to even compare because it aware without that truth within it's a different kind of awareness. So it's kind of a hard word to even describe before and after, but now what I, what I think of an awareness is, I mean, awareness is your whole being. It's your true essence. It's, it's what's, has the ability to look at things through the omnificence of um, higher power, universal power, universal truth. Same thing Jesus talked about. Same thing Buddha, Gandhi. The ability to recognize that you're the awareness behind what can be manifested as a mess to a lot of people. And that's pretty much my opening as far as meditation and awareness, but you, you actually brought these up and, and I know you, um, see these two words differently as well before and after. Yeah, there's definitely a contrast. Um, I think the old version of meditation, I just never realized how noisy that time was and i kind of always thought you know you can imagine like the angel on your shoulder and like the devil on your shoulder like it would play out in like the old bugs barney cartoons you know like the good voice and the bad voice yeah i cultivated such a good voice good voice that i was confident in that you know made judgments that i agreed with and made um all kinds of expressions and, you know, made humor and made me giggle and um, was there and made observations and made classifications. And over time, when you are so engaged with that voice, even when you sit down to meditate, that quiet like doesn't really come because you think you're being quiet, but there's that judgment. You, you think you're being quiet, but there's like that little piece of humor. And I felt like, well, that's just me. So that doesn't count. Like, that's just me talking in my head. And nobody knows about that other than me. So how does anybody know I'm not being quiet? It was almost like I was cheating, but I was okay with it. Because I was like, who... Who's going to call me out for like the silent voice in my head? I'm not calling myself out for that. That guy's kind of funny and he makes funny judgments when I'm just sitting here closing my eyes trying to be still. So I was just completely okay with that voice kind of chattering in on the meditation. I just didn't realize that I was supposed to be silencing that voice as well. And I know now when I meditate, like I, it's just quite a bit different because I just pull back to that stillness 
and I don't put any energy into reacting to that voice if he comes up. And that's kind of like the first voice that will drop away. That's the first thought pattern that will drop away now because you're kind of just taking the authority from like that normal thought process that you identify with. And that's the easiest one to just drop. Now it is. It's the one I couldn't get rid of before, but now that's the first one to drop. And then you can just sit back and you can start seeing how the thoughts, you know, flow by like a river. But I was definitely pretty fooled by thinking I was onto it and I wasn't even close. Yeah, I would say with you and just while you're talking and I'm, I'm picturing you back before you awakened and most people you had a different dynamic going on because you were you never looked like you were lost in thought you know some people can um you know they're not listening because their brain's going and they're not very good listeners but if your mind was going you still had the ability to be a, a pretty good listener and i never saw you like like if I was trying, sometimes you got to wake someone up just to even have a conversation with them. Like, Hey, I'm talking, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just because yeah. you can tell they're distracted in their mind. And I never noticed that with you because I, you know, the, the expectation that I thought you needed this grand spiritual awakening wasn't even there. So I, whatever construct you had going on was pretty, pretty unique to you, pretty in depth. And, uh, I, if it comes to me, I had, I had a theory about how you awaken too. And I, I'll, I'll see if it comes to me while we're talking and we haven't talked about it yet. Um, of how you can have different kinds of awakenings, and I'll just see if it comes to me, but I was wanting to bring it up because there's, there's got to be something to the reason why I awakened the way I did and, and, and how, you know, people can awaken like you. Cause that's, um, that kind of road is, I think it's beautiful. Um, even more so than mine, other than, I mean, I gained the knowledge of, of, of the spiritual and that pain, you know, I, I walked away with some wisdom. I understand that, but the beauty and the contrast of what you experienced is to me on a whole nother level. Like it's just, and both probably the same gratifying. And, and, and even if I didn't get the same kind of experience, I, the first time, as far as the second time, I mean, I got, I, I got a lot out of the time that you awakened because I was my energy and breath was had changed instantly too. So I was listening to Osho today mm -hmm. and um, he, w he was explaining the master disciple relationship and uh, he had like this long, really beautiful parable and it was a, long beautiful sermon he had about it but the quick version is 
there was a like a hard lesson that the master was teaching the disciple mm-hmm. and the disciple kind of understood the lesson and like had a moment of clarity. And then there was the acknowledgement on the master's face, but the acknowledgement on the master's face actually woke up the disciple so he's about this all the time. He's talking like he really plays that master disciple role very well. But he says exactly what you said there. It's that moment where you can see the light come on in somebody's eyes. And that is an awakening thing for the two people involved there. And so the way he says it is like you are perfect you're absolutely perfect but after this moment you're more perfect and but he has this whole beautiful spiel about it but it just goes in that concept of what you're talking about like witnessing somebody go through it and have that moment of like oh my gosh it's it's a reverberating moment for somebody who's already awake and is involved in that process i mean and it's not as if anything's lacking or that anything's needed. I mean, I think Osho said it perfectly. I mean, you were perfect and you become more perfect. Like you you add one more soul to the to the tally. You add one more to the numbers. There's one more to the oneness that was there to begin with anyway. Yes, I and I got the sense every time that, you know, when you walked in to the Walmart the first time, I mean, and you said, like, you could almost feel like a crowd of people watching you and cheering you that you had dropped your judgment. I was like right there with you. I was like, I could like feel everything. Yeah. While you were talking, it came to me. I wrote it down. Um, this came because I've been pondering on why the difference um and one of the big differences and it's pretty general i know but it can go in more in depth um but there's two obvious things well one obvious thing at play i felt and i had feeling before i awakened before you awakened i think we've talked about this your ego construct was so um, witty. I don't. I don't know what the word is. Uh, well constructed, differently constructed. Um, where you didn't really feel. Yeah. So, like awareness is a great example of that. So, awareness before would be, I go quiet. And I let my construct take over and classify, yes. quantify, okay. judge, exactly. and it's doing all that stuff. And but I think I'm having a moment of awareness. Yes. So that now here's the contrast. Why I had like anxiety pain before I awakened all oh, nearly all the time. Nearly all the time. Like I, there, there was something that 
like my anxiety in my chest was nudging me to find something pretty much 24 seven. So I was feeling pain. I was feeling pain all the time until I found where does that go? But now in hindsight, I understand what pain, pain was just, that was like, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer. Where's the door? Oh, you're bleeping hot breakthrough. Boom. No more pain. That's what it was. For, that's what it is for me now. As I look back, that's why I tell people, if you have anxiety, be grateful, like find some way to have gratitude for anxiety and keep pushing because the anxiety is going to show you the door. The pain, the suffering is going to show you the door. The Eckhart Tolle think, talks about the suffering and the pain is a good thing. It just, it just makes you find the door, but you, that's the difference. Like I you talk were myself not out of the pain. Well, I built so much construct. I mean, specifically to avoid the pain. So that's what I'm saying. So now look yeah. at the awakening and the difference because your construct yeah. was so intricate and so much more well constructed. The only thing was a deck of cards. That That's yeah. the only thing because you didn't have anything that was going to push you to the door. Right. But all of my identity was in the construct. So Correct. when it came down, it just, it just was, that's why like my sensation was just absent of thought. It was, it was just done. It almost felt like menopause. Like I only had like, you know, 4,647,000,000 thoughts in this one particular life. And like, I just hit the last one and it was over and there was no more thought left. That's amazing. And that that's only yeah, that's one thing for us to if we look at it from from the standpoint of are, are we speaking to someone who is trying to find the door or hasn't awakened, seeing people finding out if people are it would lead us in the direction of who would need a rug pull as opposed to if you're talking to someone that already has anxiety which most people that come and would talk, they already are 50% of the way there because they may be already depressed and may have anxiety. But that all that means is they're, they're already starting to let the light in because anxiety right. just comes from right. you not identifying with your ego and it hurts a little, but you're only scratching the surface. You don't know how to push through the pain. So you're right. already halfway there. So in how we relate to people, Finding a son of gun, a son of a gun like you is going to be freaking fun. <laughs> <laughs> and it's up to you to feel that out. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be, I mean, I guess it comes to like, we've listened to other shows and you can definitely hear pain in people's voices. I mean, you can hear people that are, you, you know, you, you can hear pain. I mean, you can hear, um, but you know, when I talked to you before an awakening, I didn't hear pain. I didn't hear pain. Yeah. I didn't hear yeah, pain. Yeah, because yeah, cause I didn't allow it. Um, I didn't allow it. And like with my awareness now, it's there, it's just such a contrast because I just know like it's so easy for me now 
to like because that first voice that that first voice that one that i had pride in the one that i carefully constructed like if i'm like out in nature and i'm trying to be aware like it has no inroad anymore yeah because there's literally nothing it can say and as soon as it opens its mouth it's just not silence and i'm just like no uh-uh like the trees here it's doing it right and that's why why i think i've been so good outside and i mean that awareness is just totally different and like as soon as you stop trying to classify what's happening in that awareness then it starts to deliver meaning and then the next step is as long as you don't jump in there and start to classify so before like with meaning immediately i would try to figure out like what does that mean you know i just saw something meaningful what does that mean what does that mean and that's the complete wrong direction that's just noise and now something's meaningful and it's just accepted and that acceptance brings with it even more meaning so by that time i know the silence is my is my guide the stillness is my guide but it's a very very mechanical progression forward in awareness that's fairly effortless at this point because that old voice that i was identified with so well just doesn't have any authority to even speak and so the rest of like the noise like the thoughts that you know you know is like anger or you know some other mess that you don't want to deal like that stuff's so easy to not let in just because you know that that's not going to be doing you any good to entertain any of that stuff so you really kind of lock out the thought process from my um mechanical awakening and the awareness just completely is something totally different yeah most truths um they're wordless so anytime yeah. you, you start to get the thought it's a definite contrast and it's up to us um to interpret that wordless knowing into words sometimes doing it very good justice and other times failing miserable miserably because it's not i mean the best spiritual teachers know how to put wordless truth into words that's what yeah makes them it's definitely a gift right yeah so and that's what because that's what i'm one of my my main takeaways from the whole experience is i'm kind of left with like this like i really think i can talk somebody into waking up i really think i can do it but i don't know if it's like i i've definitely had some experience and i can feel myself push somebody up against their own resistance but there is that last little piece where like it takes it's like a it it takes something in them that like i can't necessarily get to 
Like I can, I feel like I can walk them right up to that point of resistance. And I mean, it's, it's hard with, you know, people close to you and friends that are close to you. Cause you don't want to be that guy that's always pushing, you know, new spiritual awakenings on people. But in the back of my mind, it's kind of always going where I'm watching people and I'm just nudging a little bit. And most of the time I nudge to the point where it's like, okay, there's the wall. And now I know to not continue in that direction just because their impatience or own defense mechanisms aren't going to let me push past that. But it's funny. I feel like I see them everywhere. It's like the matrix code in front of my eyes or something. Yeah. It'll be interesting to talk to people that like we've talked about before. That I think a lot of it is like just raising kids because like one of the classic examples is like when you catch yourself getting really angry at your kid and then you realize like, Oh, I'm really mad at that because that's what I taught him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you see it and you're like, Oh dang, I taught him that. And now it's come back to me in the form of anger. So you always see this matrix that you're building and with kids, And, you know, the development of a smaller human, I mean, that what we're talking about is like part of the human process that can't be avoided. I mean, we came here and we took form. We're in our bodies, controlled by our intellect, and that is by design in order for us to, like, get out into this world and be a productive member of society. And then we have to go from there and like work backwards and break through all that and get back to like more of like the two-year-old self. So from a parental point of view, like you can see the whole thing building as it builds and it's nothing to, it's nothing to, um, it's a beautiful thing. It's nothing to, to even have judgment on. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful process of them figuring out their own mental constructs on how to be who they're going to be in life. It is beautiful. And so it's hard to tell somebody like it's that thing that's hypnotizing you. Yes, it is. I, I'm totally right there with you. One of the biggest trigger points for me to make sure that I stay present and objective is your kids because you you want them to almost I want them to be enlightened at at their age and at the same time I understand the growth process too like I I I know intellectually I want but as I've seen them grow up, I've seen a lot of the seeds over the years come to to the point of where they are. And I've seen Skylar, how she's, how she's an adult now and some of the things. So it's, it's about patience, but it's one, it's one of my biggest triggers, like, cause that resentment can creep in like really quickly when it comes to your kids, not because it's, you see that spirit that, that made you, um, make wrong decisions or something in life, you know, like, ah, and you, no, take a deep breath. We need to be patient yeah. here. I mean, 
Yeah. I mean, I, I see it really clearly. Um, but the one thing I've taken away is just that it's just a slower process from a parent to a child on big concepts and seeds uh, with from parents to children is is it's definitely not quick i mean the the reaction or attitudes of teenagers and stuff like that it's just not you don't really get a payoff day by day you know what i mean as far as the big as far as the big stuff i mean i get payoffs with my kids all the time i mean i we have moments but i'm saying the big payoffs where you you know in terms of like them waking up right yeah but you what you just plant the seeds and you are there then that's yeah that's it but also for me just the the way that my construct took over my identity the way that it did with having kids at the age I have, like I get to see that developing from a much younger age. So like, I feel like I know it pretty well now. Cause I mean, obviously it happened to me, but I also get to see, so not in terms of like, um, nudging them or, you know, trying to bring any kind of spiritual awareness to them, kind of just letting them be, but at the same time, they're teaching me so much about the development of the construct. And that's daily. And it blows me away all the time. I mean, some stuff you're like, okay, that's a bad habit. And now you know, like, I'm going to have to step in here because, you know, we can't have you, you know, in complete road rage every time you drive to the grocery store. You know, so there's times where you have to kind of like, step in and say, you know, this is a bad condition pattern that you're in. But a lot of times you can just let them develop their own patterns. And there's really cool, healthy condition patterns that they're making for themselves as well. But I just, I see the whole development of the construct from like this bird's eye view. And I'm always just amazed by it with them. It's like a new way of looking at the kids for sure. It's a weird dynamic because once kids, kids grow from like perfection and then they start to grow, they grow up by their ego. Like their ego is what makes them grow up into adults. And then the full circle, um, you can see kids grow their, their ego grows them up. It, it's, and then, you know, at a certain age, you know, it, it has to like reverse itself, but, um, I don't, I don't is, know if there's any way around that, honestly. N- no, and there's not, but I mean, this is Robin Williams and goodwill hunting, but it, it, the imperfections is a lot of the stuff that you end up loving the most. Mm-hmm. Like it's like. A conditioned reaction that you just get used to witnessing if it's the right person in your life. I mean, you just love them for that, too. And like one of the things my wife said to me um, after I woke up and there was a pretty. um, There's a pretty real personality contrast for about two weeks. 
And one of the things that she said that helped me a lot is, but I was in love with the man you were. Right. And I was, I was just like, oh yeah, like that guy got me here to this point. So there's no, there's no need to abandon that whole personality process. There's no need to abandon the whole construct of, you know, your, the whole construct of your personality. I mean, it does sometimes feel like it's more difficult to access in like a genuine way, but, and that's something you kind of learn over time, like how to start engaging back. But a lot of what it is, especially with family is getting back into like condition responses that they expect from you. So like, you know, if it's the little girl and I do a little dance and they expect a little clap, you know what I mean? Like you've got to play your role still. And, but when you're doing that with presence and you see how people are trying to do stuff to get reactions, not only out of you, but like other people in the family, it's just this beautiful dance that's always going around where everybody is like jockeying for attention. And it just ends up being like such a a beautiful thing to witness. And like I said, it's not all perfect and rosy. I mean, there definitely are times you have to step in like that was not a good way to get attention. I mean, you have to still play that father role. But even that, I mean, to see the ego try like a new way to get attention that's not healthy. I mean, you can see that as just like construct development. It just the awareness now seems to be with me much more consistently. Like um, I'm way less like interactive with that whole process, way more observant with that process. But through that, I feel like I get even more insights into that process. It's like that part is backwards because I used to think I was so smart at thinking through all of those interactions and constantly reacting and saying the right thing. And it doesn't necessarily work that way. No, it doesn't. Well, that was a good opening with meditation and awareness. Um, Always is. Yeah. There's a lot of contrast to talk about, that's for sure. It seems like when you open up with a word or phrase, it just uh, catapults into a rabbit hole of truths all all around. Um, We did have religion on the list as well to talk about. Um, Kind of a a broad thing to throw out there. Um, One of my favorite topics to talk about because of people that who are seeking or or asking the right questions or um, grew up in a certain religion, a church, or um, and they've left that. Uh, so they're in, I would say, 
kind of limbo land where they have had the foresight and um, intuition that whatever they've been involved in hasn't necessarily given them the complete satisfaction of what they've been looking for their whole life. So a lot of people, I think right now, just in terms of the podcast that we listen to, it's, it's the topic. Like how do you transition from where you started off in life? Because most, most everyone, um, starts off in some type of cultural religion that either stays in it the rest of their life, which is getting to be a little more rare because I think there's a, there's a global raise in consciousness going on, especially with the technology and in the avenues we have and people being able to connect with each other. And that's ultimately what we need is to be able to connect and, prove that we're all connected and podcasts and all the avenues we have nowadays are, are helping that cause. But anytime I ever hear any type of spiritual podcast guests or anything, it's always either some people get to the point where they, they didn't grow up in anything and, and, Maybe they haven't found anything yet, but I would say 90% of the people I listen to have at least started out in some type of religion, Mormonism, um, Jehovah's Witness. I mean, uh, there's documentaries on Scientology. Now, people that uh, that have left, uh, those inter- interviews are fascinating. Um but yeah, I definitely wanted to dive into it. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, because I think it's pretty much everybody. Because you you definitely have the traditional religions, and you named a few, and then you know you have the secularists, where like okay, atheism, and then from the awakened point of view, you can see like religion doesn't even have to be religion. So you could grow up in a household where it's like hard atheists, and they would have like a conditioned structure that would be just as intense as like a a traditional Christian structure. Correct. Or if it wasn't science, it could be politics. Or if it wasn't politics, it would be something else. Like, so it doesn't necessarily even have to be, I mean, what we think of as religion, but I think everybody grows up in some kind of community conditioned thinking. And, there's a lot of identity that gets placed in that commune. And the problem with that is from the awakened point of view is you're trying to get rid of identity. So if you have identity stacked on top of your personal identity, that's just more to unbury yourself from. Why do we do that? What's the justification? What's the component in the body? What, what tradition? Tradition is, has a lot to do with it. Um, anxiety of death. We all fear death. Uh, we don't necessarily talk about it as freely, but we all become very aware at a young age that like, holy crap. And there's a, 
there's actually a finite time here and then we're dead. I mean, so you've, you've got to start some kind of process of either being okay with that or figuring that out. Fear coming from the organization as well. And then like in the family life, there's always like the ethics and morality. And so I know there's a lot of people who are young and end up having kids and like they don't understand the process of guidance in terms of ethics and morality. And then there's these systems that, I mean, are so traditional that offer that. And as soon as you ask for help in a system like that, then you're going to get nothing but like a bunch of people welcoming you in and offering you all the help you need in terms of guidance with ethics yes, and morality. And there's, you talk about your ego construct, and I see people who are involved in a certain religion, and um, I see what you're talking about as well. But I think when you talk about how you would build something, you, you're building something within a bunch of people who think the same way that seems to be no harm, no foul. I can see it clearly from the outside and I could see it. I can see it even in myself clearly from the outside, looking at how I was in a religion, but you get justification from outside of your own voice too. I mean, you're getting justification from the, you know, leader of the organization. You're getting justification from everyone involved. So the courage it takes to have that little something inside of you that says, this is cool and all, but I feel like I'm not whole and I'm not getting everything. It takes a lot. I mean, it's happening more and more now that we have the exposure. People are doing it and they're putting themselves out there because I think it's one of the most beautiful things is going against that momentum and culture and tradition and going against that collective ego construct and going against that I'm right and you're wrong syndrome is, is kind of difficult to do if you've been, especially if you've been engulfed in it as an adult for me and you, we had things happen in our life to where we're like, we just grew up into adulthood and it kind of happened naturally just because of our situation. Like, Let's let's try to find what works, I guess, in 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 a in essence. Um, but you know, you're dealing with people in their 30s and their 40s and their 50s, and maybe in in these things in their adulthood for 20, 30 years, and um, shows like that where people come out of them are absolutely fascinating because it, it it took a lot of courage for people to do that because in in certain situations that you leave too you don't you're you're leaving you're leaving loved ones i mean there's um it's one of the most divisive things on this whole globe is the i'm right you're wrong syndrome and as soon as you choose intuition that maybe there's something out there that is going to complete me that i'm not getting out of this as soon as you do that all the people still involved with that organization um, they cut you off and and we see that not necessarily you know your local church and christianity is not that extreme anymore for that so you know you might get the occasional 
man, shouldn't you be in church or whatever? But there's still some serious organizations that if you separate yourself from it, you know, I think Jehovah's Witness is like that. Yeah, the Scientology is like that. Mormonism is like that. The more extreme ones that you separate from, you don't you don't really get to communicate from them people because they deem you as, you know, not one of the chosen people anymore. And that's where the fear has moved in um, because it's such a disservice to, to human beings to be confronted with the fact of uh, uh, a large group of people telling you that the outcome of your life, if you don't do A, B, and C, is damnation to hell or you know, and, and, and you can see the how you can just get a, a sense of somewhat of relief of your pain or anxiety here just from other people siding with you. But it's has a lot of the words of the truth. I mean, a lot of these people use books like the Bible and a lot of this stuff is all right under people's noses, but it's still missed on a on a large scale large scale and it's just unfortunate the way i see it now just from the um i just listened to uh the podcast of of what we were listening to lately and had this girl on and she has a podcast and she calls herself in a like a apprentice of jesus and her words were I think if Jesus were here, he'd be turning over some tables. <laughs> and it's, it is so true. I mean, you put Christ consciousness back and we yeah. have access to Christ consciousness. Um, and it's just made a mockery of, it's made a mockery. As soon as you lift people up on a pedestal, all of the, all the power is lost. But then again, that's such blasphemy to everyone else. So, speaking out like this is is unheard of because i'm the blasphemous one when really i'm not it's backwards i'm not the blasphemous one you can't put jesus on a on a pedestal and attain the christ consciousness you can't do it yeah you know it's it's really funny for me because like some of my early development of pride was actually being able to get out of the church system. Like, so it's almost like my personal construct was up against my traditional construct. And I was able to like, think my way out of that construct, but that left me without a, community construct where I was just on my own. So then I would have to develop my own system that I'm responsible for, but that's what created all that pride in the beginning. But I can remember like at 17 years old, just starting to drive. Mm -hmm. And I remember specifically the power team, which was, it was um, a bunch of ex NFL players And they were in the Orlando arena. And I was so cool when I first got to drive. I went straight to like a church thing with the power team. And 
I remember sitting there and it was, it was the whole arena is just jam packed. And I mean, they do a bunch of like feats of strength. That's, right. I mean, pretty cool. Like break baseball bats over their heads and stuff. I mean, they did some cool stuff, but it's a religious revival and all of them would tell their testimony. And it was all like some version of I did lots of coke, I did lots of blow, I did lots of hookers, and then I wound up in a ditch. Thank God Correct. I found Jesus. Right. They all had the same story. And then I was sitting there as a 17-year-old who grew up in the church, has done everything right, was already supposed to be like on the path. Why, why am I taking spiritual cues from these guys? Why, why, why do these guys go out and party, you know, like it's 1999 and then come back and tell me about how good Jesus is? It just made no sense to me whatsoever. And that was really one of the moments with the power team. And then you could go back with Christianity. It was like, it sure looked to me like the most moving stories in Christianity or the, the most moving um testimonies were the ones that were like so rock bottom like i veered from the path to such a degree that i had no choice other than to seek salvation and i just couldn't identify with that because i was so young i didn't even understand like why they were targeting that to this audience like what does that have to do with us us that have grown up in the church and then you can kind of just see that I mean, it just didn't seem honest to me. I mean, if, I mean, from my point of view back then, like I should be teaching these guys about spirituality, not the other way around. Because I'm the one that didn't need to go off and do all the hookers and blow. But that was my 17-year-old self. But to be able to like think through that type of stuff and then move out of the church at a young age, which I think ultimately was a good thing. But my problem was that was strengthening my personal construct at that point. And like, once I got that rolling, it, it just didn't stop. Cause there's confidence in getting out of that system. If you pull yourself out of that system and look back at it and see it for what it is, you did that. I did that. Yeah, Nobody can take step. it away from me. I was smart enough. Well, yeah, you're still wrapped I was, up in ego after you make that yeah. first step, too. I mean, you had to come to a spiritual awakening. But that first step, I mean, it's it's right. 100% positive because if you just say, like, you stay in a church this whole time. Do you ever have a spiritual awakening? Or are you, are you protected by that uh, group of the uh, ego construct? Right. I don't think you ever have an awakening. But you got people in church that have been there the whole life. They're never going to have a spiritual awakening because they have um, a collective, collective ego construct. How do you Two how do you get out, out of that? Of, yeah. I mean, there's that's not yeah. so. Yeah. How you get out of it? The first step is you have to decide that you you have to leave. I'm not saying you're perfect after you leave the church. I'm not saying you should be prideful about it, or but I mean you're not you're not all the way there once you've decided to leave the church because a lot of people are resentful or angry in the beginning, and 
um, again, that just goes into suffering. It's better for you to leave the church and suffer for two years and find out where suffering leads you than it is to stay where someone pats you on the back and says, you're okay with your little rotten self as, as long as you get forgiveness on Sunday every day. It's, it's, it's one of the, the biggest fear and one of the biggest workarounds for doing whatever the hell you want. I always thought it was so outrageous that in, in that, in that whole setup that you can basically do whatever you want and there's the forgiveness of sins. And, and that's, that's what sticks out to me as one of the biggest untruths, because once you spiritually awaken, like you were talking about, your awareness starts to wear you down. You, you, you start to be molded by, you know, universal oneness, truth, the way like things start to be shown to you. So like, you're not, you're not going to do crazy compulsive things out in the world that you would even possibly get arrested for and then spiritually awakened. And then in the church, it's just, uh, I've, I had a bad day. Forgive me for my sins. Cry about it. And you're good to go under that system. I've never understood that. When you're talking about the power team, the salvation thing too is such an ego trip such an ego trip like the altar calls remember the power team they would almost come the music uh, one of the biggest things with hypno- oh, yeah. hypnotic suggestion mm-hmm. is emotion it's powerful anger or mm-hmm. um anger in the other direction when it gets very emotional and they're crying and they're tapping into the emotions of people and then they're doing at the very end of that with the music churches do it too. They emotional speeches at the end and then start to play the emotional music to where it starts to pull on your emotions. It's completely opposite from the truth. The person at the front of that system is completely getting puffed up in ego. And listen to this clearly because don't get it mixed up for the listeners, not necessarily you. I'm just saying it appears from that I could be standing in judgment right now. There's a difference between what I'm saying and what, if, if you see something clearly, you have fair game to discern whether that's good or bad. And it takes a lot of courage to like see that clearly and call it out, even though there's a bunch of verse and chapter and there's a bunch of Jesus saying and all that. If you see it clearly, you can call it out. That's part of the Christ consciousness. doesn't matter what you can have a Bible in the hand all day long, but if you're not coming from the right place, it should be, it should be called out. But the salvation piece it's always a numbers game and the salvation of get them emotional. And then I don't know. It's always a moment as if you don't do this, do you want to burn in hell in the height of the emotion? It's hypnotic. 
It's powerful because it's hypnotic. Because if you get a person an emotional, yeah, and then you hit them with, you need to take these steps because look what it did for me. I used to be a drug user. I used to do this. I'm not going to hell anymore. You shouldn't go to hell anymore. The only road to heaven and not being damned to hell while you're in an emotional state is take me up on my offer. I'm one of the chosen people. I'm one of the people with the microphone come down to the altar. And it's so much pride involved for that leader because it's a numbers game. I've heard people say, I went here and we saved 13 people. We went here and we saved 15 people. I saw you, Kane Sarter, have a spiritual awakening where I saw like what a true salvation is. I've never claimed one person in my whole life. It's complete, com- it's complete compassion and gratefulness. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's no ego involved at all. I, n- nothing has, and, and, and so would it be right. for anyone that would uh, come on the show? If you brought someone closer to the light, there's no ego involved in that. There's, there's, there's me getting the same thing that you just got. It's reciprocated. Like you give, you get back sevenfold. Like all the things that are in the verse and chapter as right. far as truth, they come to life when you actually have something that resides in you. It's a complete miss. The ego involved in that has always been so overwhelming to see it. And as someone that me and you on the path that we're on, um, you know, a lot of people will listen to pastors and preachers and, and, and different stuff. And I, I know we're, we're gaining listeners and we're gaining followers, but, um, the contrast for me is if you saved 13 people or 14 people or 15 people on a stage, you, there, there is nothing as far as a numbers game when it comes to what me and you are talking about. There's nothing as far as ego with what me or you are talking about. It would just be like, I don't even know how to put that in the words. Like I've never tried to claim anything. I've never tried to, I saw something go in you that you never had. And I thought, well, wow, that's, yeah, that's amazing. And that I pretty much discovered what, you know, awakening, you can equate that to salvation. Um, I kind of can't stand the word salvation just because the misuse of the word salvation and religion is just off the charts. So using it, it's, Well, that's the telltale sign is, I mean, they mm. put salvation yeah. so far in the future. And I mean, Eckhart Tolle says that the best, I mean, the salvation that everybody's seeking yeah. for is just in the present moment right now. And that's, that's kind of their tell when you know that there's no truth is they've got everything pushed so far out. And it's, you know, this in judgment of, you know, are you going up or are you going down? And th- that's the obvious mistruth that's going on there. 
I mean, that's how you can tell somebody that's uh, that understands awakening is I'm, they understand everything comes down to the present moment. Everything comes down to awareness. Everything comes down to oneness. Everything comes down to connectedness. I mean, these aren't church terms. Church, I mean, they want separate. They want vulnerable. They, I mean, they want they want you following directions from this point now moving forward they want you know little soldiers moving forward and going out i mean it's it's not the it's not the truth that um we would understand now from somebody like yeah, Eckhart Tolle but it's interesting for me too like the a huge part of my contrast i mean so you go like from the church out of the church and now like when i go back to like just christ or if i go back to like just genesis i mean there's so many interesting wonderful lessons like in that literature it's just the word of god isn't limited to that book the word of god is is coming out all the time from everywhere and it's in that book which is great it's great Goodness to go back that to that book myself. and find it that's so true and and you know the bible i'm i'm definitely not anti-bible i've opened up the bible and just as though i've opened up other pieces of work that are the spoken word or you can or relate to or see the consciousness within um, they're all testaments and, um, it's a great book. It's a, a, some of the stuff that Jesus wrote, you know, some of the parables that he used, you, you talk about waking up like Jesus's life was, how do I wake people up? And how he did it was he told like little parables. Yeah. He did, it's all over the Bible on how Jesus attempted to wake people up by um little things like we ask the question all the time like what is our service how how do you wake people up and you know one of the biggest testaments in that book is and you can read it in different teachers books they have little parables they they try to spark something within that ignites something for you to find the door um from you know, do you not perceive, look at a flower? Do you, do you perceive the flower or you just look at a flower and a flower is a flower is a flower? Or do you perceive? There's so many, look at the birds. You do the birds worry about their life? Do they look concerned? No, they just, I mean, I'm probably not doing it justice, but that's definitely not, um, against the Bible, but after awakening, I understood how ignorant I was. I, I mean, that's one of the first things I understood too, is how ignorant I was because you, it sounds so pompous probably for me to say now that, oh my God, I can open up the Bible and understand it. And before I didn't, um, it's definitely something you have to experience because it's not, it's, it's a wordless knowing. Uh, wisdom. I could read something in the Bible that doesn't make sense 
and something within doesn't agree with it. it doesn't mean i'm going against the bible it just means that you know the intuition within that i'm reading doesn't make any sense there's a lot of contradictions in the bible so when you see those it's up to what's in you that's alive now to make that discernment it's not up for you for you to read the bible and learn it in every word in the bible take verbatim because some of the stuff is translated incorrectly and some of it might have been written wrong at a time i mean someone could have someone could have i mean i've seen stuff in the bible it's like that just doesn't need to be in there what is that you know there's not it's Yeah, there's definitely Constantine must have really done a job on it because yeah, some of it's truth and uh, some of it isn't. But I mean, it's you know, it's, it's the I remember within the first two weeks after I woke up, it's like and you were I think it would happen on the phone with you where like I realized for the first time like. If, when I took the cross and I'm like, oh, that represents where spirit meets form. And then I realized like I was had like a breakthrough anger moment, accepted my suffering. And there was just this light bulb like, oh, my God, I just accepted Christ into my heart. Like that after all of that, after born in the church, leave the church, not even worried about being religious now. I understand. Like I accepted Christ into my heart. I accepted my own suffering in spirit and form. And that's what like all the religious stuff does is that there's just these great little things that you can identify with. And it's not just Christ. There's many, many others. And um, basically all of the traditional systems like at the root must be talking about the same spirituality. That spirituality like rises up through the culture and leaves people like in the same state that that you and I are in right now, that other people around us are in, that they just come to the realization of, wait, God is coming from inside me or I don't even know if there is an inside me it's all one thing like consciousness is God consciousness is everything everything is consciousness it was here before time and that's not like an intellectual scripture thing that's just an understanding that comes through a mechanical process of getting really good at shutting down your own thought process but clearly we're not the first ones that, I mean, so you can see how it would just rise up in like all these cultures all around the world and be interpreted in different ways. And it's really kind of beautiful because you can take inspiration yeah, and, thing, and parables too, from like them all. If you never grew up in a Christian background, if you had that awakening, you would have accepted christ but never knowing the word jesus christ like you you would have accepted that consciousness but what i've always after my awakening i understood that people found that 
which is leading me to talk about something that I started writing about. But in terms of me and you, people can have awakenings and know Jesus without ever hearing the story of Jesus. Right. So that like you have the background. So you see that Christ consciousness and you see, oh, wow, that's where it comes. But that leads me into what I wanted to talk about. And I. When I started writing that book, I I was really young, so a lot of I know there's a lot of uh, I mean when I wrote it, I, my whole commitment when that was, you know, to write present, um, presently, and with this, I don't want to be completely naive because you know at twenty something years old, I I was writing great stuff just because it was coming from wisdom within. And I don't know, I wanted to get your input from it because I know now not, not to think in terms of small. And so Christ is here 2000 years ago, but we already know factually that, um, man's been here a lot longer and we've could have had civilizations wiped out because we pretty much know how old the earth is now, right? So we, we do know, you know, when the dinosaurs are here and that, but we, yeah. and there's gaps in history. None yeah, of our archaeology so, makes any damn sense. But we don't even know none for of sure the when you're dealing with none of the history of, of man that there makes wasn't any other sense. Human, we, we, we don't know what we don't know is what I'm trying to say. Right. In terms, and it is a lot in terms of, and that's just here. And, and then you take the lot. universe, which goes to a whole nother level. Um, so I don't want to be. What I think I could be naive. I just want to get your thoughts on it. Cause when I wrote about Christ, I had it in my mind that, it's very difficult to talk about Christ and church and use those same words once you're awakened because they're almost triggers for someone that's left religion to the, Oh God, he's talking about Jesus again. You know what I mean? Like that's where the turnoff happens. So I know Eckhart Tolle and a lot of, they don't, they do not overly use words just because of that reason alone. The, The misuse is just off the charts. So you don't want to turn anyone off. Um, but when in, t- in talking of Jesus, as far as the way I explained it in the book, before Jesus, and this is the way the story goes, and I'm trying to apply as much truth as possible. I explained it in the book as no connection to God before Jesus, like before. And I know it's only 2000 years ago, no connection to God. And the way the story's told is you have someone that had to break the curse. Like there's no consciousness that can give you any type of connection. You know, the church talks about the Holy Trinity and, and in a learned way, like we've been talking about this whole show, but so there has to be a savior, so to speak, 
as we talk about Jesus as being a savior, has to be someone born out of what has the stories told out of a virgin woman, because that's the only way you can break the curse. And that that person born of a of a virgin woman is innately out of culture, right? So that for this baby born here is born not in culture of the world. So it grow it's going to grow up in this no curse way, which is the story told of Jesus. And I and I can look at that in a tr- in in truth in, in in the present moment in in a and agree to that. I can see it. Um so you take his life, he's committed to presence his whole life, but he's in way worse a culture than stuff that we would see nowadays. Like the fact that he made it to his thirties is, you know, it's inevitable that he was going to die young. He even predicted his own death. Right. So you go his whole life. He's doing what you would say are miraculous things because he's the only present person on earth. Like the the earth is cursed. There's no connection to God. So Jesus is like the freaking miracle worker just based on that story. Right. Because you take one, you put Eckhart Tolle or anyone that's awakened inside of, you know, the book of Eli and like, it stands out like a sore thumb. Like you're turning water into wine just because the wine, the water tastes better. You know what I mean? So he does that his whole right. life. Yeah. Dies in a way of the symbol of the cross all the way to death. He's committed. Forgive them, Father. Know not what you do. The ultimate like transmutation um, from nobody died this way. As the story's told, nobody died this way. Giving that ultimate connection in Christ consciousness, the guarantee that it will be back second coming it will be i'll be here with you which we see is evident now and so so my question is as i i kind of explained it the way i just explained it to you in this book is is that when i also look at it from like a present moment i think um as long as this earth's been here the fact that Jesus was like the first person to come here and break that curse seems like in terms of like billions of years, why was it just 2000 years ago or were there other saviors before him or are we on like a millennial cycle? Like it can't be that just one savior on earth came here 2000 years ago and you know, that's enough for us 2000 years later. I'm not saying that, but I'm, I'm dealing with, with time and how is that possible? Yeah, I definitely think there must've been lots before. Like, um, I don't know too much about Egyptian history before Christ, but that's going back. Um, certainly, before, yeah, before Christ, and I mean the pharaohs and stuff, where they're they're gods. I mean, oh. they're 
they what they were calling themselves as gods. And I remember always thinking before that, like, man, these must have been like really egotistical leaders. But now I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. they could have been just awakened people. And I mean, that term would have applied. That that term would have been just fine. Um, it, it wouldn't sound correct looking back on it to like um, people looking at it from like an archaeological, you know, scientific point of view. But I mean, they were gods. I mean, that's the only thing about the Jesus story that um, I wasn't yeah, quite well, I was with you. Ask that quite, well, is the virgin was, birth? My next question was: the vir- Is that just embellishment of the story? Well, I've always thought so just because there's um, out of the Gospels, it's just Luke that uh, the virgin birth gets put in. And the virgin birth was definitely like one of the markers that Mm -hmm. had to be hit in order to tell the the Savior story. So you have like the the Savior story, but, but then you also have like the archetype of the Savior story that like needs to be hit in order to be absorbed by the culture. And that was done through like politics and, um, you know, other people in power. So I think the virgin birth definitely like served as like checking something off. Like, okay, we got the virgin, we put the virgin birth in, but if you take the virgin birth out, it's even, I think it's even more compelling because he's just of man. He's just of form. And that's the same thing when you go back to like the Egyptian gods. I mean, it's just form. It's just manifest consciousness. And it is, if you can become aware to it, the manifested divinity. So your take. In form. Yeah. And so that story has to go, keep going back. So, yeah. That That story just must keep popping up over and over and over again. I felt like that could be the case when I first woke up. There's a lot of unwinding you have to do for your religion and your culture. And you you don't know, even after you wake up, how much of that is still in you. Because you, the embellishments of the stories that you believe as a kid growing up, um, there's, they're so unevident. It's so, there's so much to unwind. Um, there's so much that stays with you in culture, you know, even, even when you wake up and that there's almost times where you're like, man, an awakening without ever hearing the Jesus story too, you don't have anything behind you. So, you know, Christ consciousness or just as this great consciousness, but you, you have to be careful of the embellishments of the story. Cause when I, when I, when I logically see that it, it that has to be true because you if you were if you found the path in certain times you know and you're enlightened you're it's few and far between so there's there's thousands of me and you and spiritual teachers around the world back then there might have been tens and twenties you know what i mean so you could have like the level of culture yeah 
How is that possible, though, when the culture was so strong that he was crucified? I mean, the the culture of those. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying if you go yeah, back you before don't know. Christ. I mean, if you go back before, you just don't know. So, you, you just. Like, we can see it now. Like, what we're doing is we build up constructs and, like, attention is clearly, like, the thing that everybody's building to try to get. And, like, the more they, the structure of that, like, attention thing, the less attention put is put on people's inner being. I mean, you can see it going the other direction. I get that. But if you go back, I mean, so what, you know, like the ancient stuff and like the alignment with the stars and like the way that they were in tune with uh, the oneness of everything. I mean, they were demonstrating our connectedness to everything. Like they were doing it through like um, very real architectural, I mean, basically miracles. And it's hard to look at that stuff and say like, geez, I don't know, maybe there was like a lot more people within that system that really understood how far does the Mayans the oneness and really understood the connection Christ. Yeah. There's, there's all kinds of examples of, um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I think I got clarification on that. And, and, and the fact that, being hung up on it just shows you there's evidence of of stuff that you know you have to unlearn because i mean that's something at that point in a book you read you shouldn't be i mean we're talking about it and it's great conversation but just me talking it through the fact that you think or know or any type of factual thing like 2000 years ago like that is is kind of it's kind of asinine because nobody was there and you don't oh right um, right the takeaway is what seems to be constant throughout a lot of different people is that oneness and that connectedness that over time certain people rose to bigger figures than others and jesus being the big one um, but other people in different times also rising under that consciousness as big figures and um, all the way to the present time to where we have a lot of figures that can have a lot of platforms. Um, so just, it's just based on the time and, and the history, but you, that's the power of like learning stuff, like indoctrinating. And I wasn't, this was just a talking point. I wasn't messed up by the notion. I just always pondered on that and wanted to throw it off of you. But in terms of indoctrination, it's so powerful because you, most of the time the indoctrination happens when you're in that preem sponge, like when you're a kid, you know, from four to five to six to seven. And that's when a lot of teachers like get off on like instilling that, like Bible school teacher, that's large ego things too. Like thinking you're doing the good work by instilling a way of, for kids to learn. Like there's, that's completely backwards that you learn about like anything in this realm. Like there's nothing but a a child to like naturally 
just right. grow up. There's nothing to be instilled in them. And those teachers, the people that teach it, they like get off on it. It's like a complete ego trip that you can instill like this doctrine into a kid because it's so easy to do that. Like you're, you're infecting a kid and you're proud of it. It's that pride again. Yeah. It's, it's even, yeah, it's definitely backwards because the younger the child, the closer they are to the perfect awareness. So as as the wiser one, you should just be observing that awareness and perfection and you should be getting out of the way. And, and a lot of the teaching should be going the other way, not through, yeah, you know, just straight of... up indoctrination. Mm-hmm. I think Jesus yeah, has a quote I mean, like that, right? Like become like a child before, again to enter the kingdom like of heaven. Five year old on, they don't, they do nothing but just like discover all day. Yeah. They would stay there for eight hours and they would just play in the sand and discover and yeah. look around. And that's how they would do. The moment you try to instill something, I'm, you know, schools are no better. Yeah. I mean, when you start putting time limits on kids, like you have to learn it in a certain amount of time. Right. And then all of a sudden a kid starts to feel pressure. Like learn, learning has nothing to do with pressure. Like there's no... It's and but then again, like teachers pass kids in the next grade, they get you know a pat on the back that they've progressed kids. But I, I mean, yeah, because I mean, the it's just the one system of indoctrination is the religion, but I mean, the whole culture is just filled with systems of indoctrination. It just doesn't stop. And that's the whole problem. You know, I mean, moving forward is like you, I mean, that's where I think a lot of the anxiety comes from. I think that's why everybody's on SSRIs. I think that's why everybody's depressed. I mean, once you fast forward that process and you realize that the whole culture and the whole human experience was just one big cycle of indoctrination, yeah, I mean, there's nothing meaningful about that. I mean, you're not even in control of your own destiny at that point. You're just bouncing from activity to activity. That's why the awakening ends up being as powerful as it is. I mean, to 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 come to the realization that you are not your thoughts and to learn how to be still and to learn how to be quiet I mean, it sounds very, very simple, but that emptiness doesn't stay empty for long. And it fills up with stuff that you can't even put into words, that you can't even imagine. But I mean, the the entire system is designed to keep you out of that the the entire system is designed to not let you have that i mean you 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 have to fight against every fiber of that system and then the last little bit is that thing in you that you think is you that you take pride in i mean that's if you can knock that domino down 
you'll never be the same. Good point. It's a, it is culture all around us. It's, um, it's the system we live in. It's our jobs. It's, um, we're in a capitalistic society, uh, that has components of indoctrination as well. Um, the idea that <laughs> we talked about like, people going to sit in a cubicle for eight hours is, um, I mean, I'm thankful for the type of job I have, but there's still, there's still flaws in it. Um, but I couldn't imagine going sitting in a, in a cubicle box and just sitting there for eight hours and putting in a shift that way or, it's just not what life was was meant to be, but everybody has a role in a capitalistic society, and everybody has to play that role for it to for it to survive. Um, and now that we're so far in, you know, I'd, it's almost like the I love the way Eckhart Tolle described it, and a lot of times my mind goes to doom and gloom because I think that. Uh, it's inevitable that the large egos of the world, you, know, you look at what's happening with China in the news today, like being unhappy with an American visiting Taiwan, um, the, the collective ego of China or Russia or America, or, um, they just get so big and, and, and you have these massive weapons to go along with these massive egos. And at some point the trigger it doesn't matter. It's inevitable. But when Eckhart Tolle talks about it, he's like, it doesn't matter. It could go really, really bad or it could go really, really good. We're, we're all moving to collective consciousness. It doesn't really matter. And, and in a way, he's right. We're going to, we're going to pro- progress to um, consciousness. We're, we're, go- we're going in that direction. And if the suffering gets worse, we may get there quicker. So, but he never, right? He never gets flustered with doom and gloom. I'll say that, and it's it's pretty impressive to hear him talk um, along those lines because uh, I can sometimes I I just see it so clearly. I'm like, gosh, dang! Like, is it only a matter of time before one of these Nimrods fires a nuclear weapon? Like, you got to know it's coming just because the ego at that level has to flex and uh you know they've been chasing number one america for so long that eventually they get the balls and they're like this is the time this is it you know almost like inevitable i see it yeah it's definitely i don't have any argument with the inevitable but i definitely also i don't I don't really have too much concern about that was like one of the like real things that I confronted right after waking up. And I'm like, I think I'm, I think I'm okay through nuclear annihilation. And I don't say that lightly, but it's like, trying to remember back to like a test when you were in high school that you were super worried about. And like now 
when you look back, you can see, well, that was pretty stupid for me to be worried because that didn't have anything to do with what my life was. I think it's just like that, where it's very hard for us in our position, you know, in the timeline. And we're obviously we're invested in this form. I mean, exactly the way that we're supposed to be. We're responsible for this form. We're invested in this form. We all want the best for this form. It's certainly on like an individual level. I mean, even the people that are hypnotized, I mean, they still basically want the best for this form. So you kind of have that. And if something did happen and it was like all over in a blink, I don't know. It might not look like what we think. I mean, you're talking about like the whole entire collective, like returning to the source, like at the same time where there might be a bunch of shit talking like, all right, who hit that button? Like, all right, wait, what idiot did that? Are we going to start this whole world over again? I was doing good there. I was on to something. I was do. I was in deep soul progression. You guys blew the whole world up, you morons. You know, and then something starts over again. I mean, it just it might not be like the catastrophe that we think it is because I mean, we can't we can't see from that point of view. But one of the things I got from the awakening was that sensation of alpha and omega and so like all the time is there and i'm connected to that place that's outside of time and the closer i get towards that connection it's nothing but peaceful it's just pure peace So, I mean, it would it almost makes sense that like the manifestation of form would be out in the direction of unpeace. And like it's our job to do the best that we can to bring peace manifested in the form. And there's tons of stuff out there that we have no control over. And it's not I'm, at this point, I just don't know that any of us, I mean, Take control over the stuff that you do have control over. I think that's what we're doing now. I mean, you try to just put a message of hope and positivity and spirituality out in the world. I mean, that's kind of like our little piece that we can do to try to throw some peace out into the form. But in terms of like the big things and the big egos, I mean, I definitely see them and I I see how it can uh, go wrong, but. I just don't even know if it, it would be even so be quickly. the disaster that we think it is. It would be over so quickly. Yeah. Uh, at least, I don't. I don't know who would be safe in that scenario. But the way you described it, I mean, I feel better. <laughs> so, I mean, appreciate that. I mean, it's all good. <laughs> I feel better. We're all out in the blink of an eye, and all. Rising up into one consciousness. No, I do see what you're saying, though. I just feel like, uh, like, good God, like the the well, shit talking on the other side. Yeah, it'd be like, what is wrong with you, idiot? You see what you built? Yeah, you hit a button to destroy yeah. a zillion people. <laughs> what is and- wrong with you? <laughs> Are you- <laughs> and that voice 
that voice that you just did is going to be the voice of the soul that actually pushed the button. That's yeah, going to be man, coming like from like him uh, on the level. Yeah, we're all just gonna be standing <laughs> the level there, like wake up that rubbing his head. You think being your like, contrast yeah, is it was great? I mean, look at the level of that contrast. <laughs> that, that would be yeah insane. Yeah, that's. Yeah, like look what you did. Yeah, you let your ego get Question so out of hand as far as, um, that you destroyed everything. Great, you know, one of those moments where Sad Guru did not want to go there with Joe Rogan because he didn't want to sound like he was so far out in left field. But I, I am going to talk outside of logic <laughs> <laughs> because I. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it may be in logic, but I think it's out of logic in terms of the way we've seen things as far as raising the dead. Um, obviously we watched movies and I not saying I had an epiphany, but for some reason that subject came to me one day and, and any, anytime something comes to me and I'm like by myself outside and I'm present, I'm like, that's interesting for that to arise so anytime anytime anything like that comes up i always want to share it just to see how off base it is but um in the movies we see like these spirits lifting out and you know something coming out but uh, it's curious to me like raising the dead like do you actually see anything Like, is it invisible? And, and not not necessarily to the... Um, because we've heard it from many different spirits, not just Jesus, not just ancient texts, but um, hasn't Osho talked about that? And Sad Guru? Someone talked about it recently. I don't remember Osho talking about no, it. I'm talking about dead, dead. You mean like people. zombies? Like in graves. You don't remember? No, 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 no. The, no, no. I'm talking. Yeah, you, you mean like Michael Jackson thriller? To the lines of once people awaken the responsibility of, of the presence of. That came from some spiritual teacher that you were listening to. It did. I mean, that I think was more in terms of understanding wakefulness, and then there's still people asleep, and then the position of wakefulness is to try to cultivate. I guess my question is: if you're die asleep. Where does your does it stay here in this oh, dimension? Yeah. Does it need to be does it need to be freed? Can it be freed? What like what what happens? Because it's very evident that 
stuff stays around here, even if it's our own entities that we take out of our body. Yeah. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But I'm, I'm saying uh, of the stories that we've heard, there seems to be activity of people that cross over that still are in this dimension that that maybe died asleep that or or haven't crossed over. Um, yeah, so you would have it's either one like somebody could just be have a normal life, still be in their conditioning and they die. Now, is there a portal at that death where they can understand their contrast and from the point of death, do they get to just ascend uh, to the awakened state through death? Then you have the other option where maybe that portal doesn't open. And it gets interesting stuff like if you die screaming or if you die, you know, like in in a lot of... yeah and a lot of emotion yeah so most of like the haunted stories seem to revolve around some kind of like real intense screaming death so it does look like maybe there is something to do with that and then there's the the other side of that is like the yogi death which is somebody who's entirely present who is completely awake and spiritual with Christ and death, then Christ enters death. their own death from that awakened state and that a, a Christ death. Yes. And then, and Christ is a great example. I mean, There's so that's trans, the way he dies and like something that... stayed behind clearly. Yeah. Correct. But does that happen more often? And are people, uh, dying in that state and then christ is such a uh, such a popular one i mean but what would happen if it was somebody that wasn't you know like as well known like on the spiritual level what's happening there yeah so there's three different scenarios there about what happens when you die and i think they're all three viable i think they're all three and it and it are true at the same popping time into my head is free will too like you you create the omnificence of the Christ consciousness by the commitment to death the way you talked about it and you have something left over that's omnificent and can be tapped into but there's free will involved like in in the dimension that we have here you know, what does Christ conscious look like on an omnificent level if you die asleep? You know, is it still some type of free will scenario that it may be right under your nose, but you don't, you, you still have to awaken to it. Like not necessarily dying. You still you see have the to awaken to this it. Moment. It's still, the yeah. only thing I can relate it to is, kind of a little bit skeptical about mediums but when i hear them talk about people crossing over it's as though you they they don't quite get it's, it's almost like a confused state of being like they 
they're here, but they're almost like trapped here. And, and the medium has to like coax them into no, go, go in this direction. That's the only example I have, but my skepticism is high of those types of mediums. So I'm, I'm definitely not taking any stock into that, but that's kind of the only example I have to, and we're, we're in theoretical land anyway. So, um, I don't know. Well, one of my one of my new um, explorations since yeah, awakening is the that Akashic Record I um, stuff. Couldn't understand Osho anymore. It's like I'm just going to turn it to something I can clearly <laughs> hear. It's probably better when Osho is talking to people. I still haven't gotten that far. But yeah, that's. But w- within the Akashic record, um, like understanding of things, and it's all new to me. Like I'm just introducing myself into this, but I'm finding it interesting. But what the the amount of soul that's here connected to your body. And I might not have the numbers exactly correct, but it's something maybe like 15% of your soul is here with you in your body. And then the other 85% is Mm. back in the system outside of time. So you're not, you're just like a small representation of soul that's like bigger on the other side. So like at the moment of death, when you take your uh, condition of form, which would be your thought in your brain and you don't have any thought and you have that much of your soul that's connected to the other side, it does seem like it would be like a fairly strong pull in that direction that like the re the reuniting with your soul seems like it would override like any holding on you're trying to do to the condition of form that you just left. I think it's just so out of balance that you don't really get. Um, I don't know if there's free will there. I don't know if you need to awaken to that state, but the other version like where, you know, somebody dies screaming, like you're putting so much manifested emotion, like into that moment. Like, do you trap a certain amount of entity, like in the form? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. So not necessarily like in the body, but like the form surrounding it. So the ground or the house, I mean, do you, tr- do you manifest enough energy clinging on no, to that form saying, at that point and yeah, then you're but I'm saying the away. Entity, that's another dynamic but though. the there's entity some that, that you've created say you died with the entity that you created that construct that dies with you as well and it's a have the same impact um what what happens to that energy because you saw that energy leave your form when you awakened so to speak but now put yourself super asleep at the time of death you're dealing with the entity energy that dies as well. So um, the the two 
does that separate like right away? Yeah, it's it's or really are interesting. They intertwined. It's so listen to this story about Henry Rollins taking the stage in Brazil. Who, if you don't know, he's a rock band from uh, the nineties, and he tells a story of knocking himself out on stage. So he was just jamming really hard. His knee comes up and hits his hits his own head, and he knocks himself out cold on stage. So Henry Rollins tells this story, and he's talking about the process of waking up. And what he says is, like, he comes to, and he says to himself, what's that noise? It's the first thing he says to himself, what's that noise? And he opens his eyes and he's like, who are all these people? And then he's like, what am I doing here? And he looks around and he's like, is that a band? Is that a band? And then he realizes like, I'm in a band. And then he finally comes to. But that whole process, if you realize that's his ego coming online before mm-hmm. and overriding his awareness. You see that? It's like the ego comes online before he even gets a chance to grasp onto the silence. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? But lots of people tell very similar stories about, you know, people getting knocked out in boxing or drug experiences where people are having out-of-body experiences but if you listen to what they say they're having an ego experience so yeah it does make me wonder like that that ego comes online and overrides everything because there's something about hearing your own thought and voice which gives comfort to that innermost you and then it just goes back and forth. It like it syncs up. It's it's just the matter and form. It syncs up so quickly and so totally. Almost at the moment of awareness. It takes hold. And you don't even understand where you are or who you are or that you're even human yet. But the ego is taking hold. And just because you hear a voice and because you just came online yourself in that deepest part of awareness, because there is a sensation like when you go to sleep at night where it's as if I go into a state of non-existence and you can kind of see it first thing in the morning. Like yeah, that voice comes online. You're like, wow. You really got to be careful first thing in the morning because you can go quiet or that voice will engage you so quickly. But it goes even further than that. It's like completely knocking yourself out cold and being completely confused and forgetting even your own humanity. Yeah. But that I'm, ego still knows how to sink question, But as you're talking, like the, the Christ consciousness was created from commitment at death to dying correctly so there has to be 
Yes. Uh, wrong is the right word, but, but dying in anger or yelling or there, there's got to be, uh, I'm not saying that's it, but I'm, I'm saying like the whole purpose of something living on, there had to be a commitment Could create a to fracture. directly. And I'm not saying that there's never a chance for that that entity or that soul, but I, I'm, you can't take away from the people who um, found what they found here and were committed. So you have to have that yin and yang. How, how would it be possible? For, so you would have so many people died that were asleep and there's, there's not too many Christ consciousness that, that have, that have lived on like that we know about in, in this fashion. So you can't, that would be like almost going back to the religion day saying, all you need to do is ask for forgiveness of your sins. And it, you just live imperfectly and, and die. And, and as long as you have that's that salvation. So, the, but, and I, I don't know if we'll have the answer for yeah, it. But I, there has to be, It just might not be like as significant as what we think it is. Like, I mean, if you came here to learn like a certain skill and then you die and you didn't die correctly and now you go back up and now you're enter back into like the system of the system of um, that you're familiar with where you came from. And now the judgment is all from yourself. Like I was supposed to learn this, this, and this. What did I get out of that? Well, I didn't learn what I was supposed to, and I left my sword and shield back there. Now I got to go back in and hook up to some other game, and I don't even have my sword and shield anymore, so this is going to be even harder. So you always want to be working forward. And that's why I think it comes into like... um, like, all right, maybe you got to go spend another life as a wolf and just try to tear stuff up with your teeth again or something. I mean, it's all speculation, but your losses might be just a handicap for your progression moving forward and not necessarily like some, you know, big spiritual blow to yourself so you think reincarnation it could just be like a handicap i don't i've thought about that a lot i don't know how um to look at it any other way anymore i mean that's just the only thing that's the only thing that that makes that um, Omega piece. Like, how is there Omega piece? I mean, there's Alpha piece too, I guess, because there's no time. But how is there peace? I mean, the only way that you could have peace outside of time is this would have to be like a system that has you know, an infinite number of systems next to it that's just 
you know, basically on the level of plugging into an Xbox game or something. I mean, it's all our own will to enter. We all enter for progression, for progression of the soul, for progression of divinity um, manifested in form. That's the obvious goal. And some are doing it better than others. And if you found out a good way to do it, then maybe you get some gains. So maybe you gain a sword and a shield when you go up. But yeah, you could also have losses. But it's just it's just movement up and down like this progression of understanding divinity and form. I don't know how you yeah, get there without um, reincarnation. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. And I understand it's very controversial. And um but it seems inevitable that there's different experiences that we want to experience too. Like I, I, I see a, a, a beautiful place that, you know, doesn't have a lot of the constructs that we have a, a different human experience um, on the level of, of bliss the down to the very worst. I mean, the full circle, the full gamut. Um, this one that, that we're in here seems to be like infancy stage, like, um, we, we are in an interesting time to where we see like some kind of a global awakening in the last 20 years. Um, but I mean, it's a baby as far as consciousness where we're at now. So, you know, I, I definitely envision a place that you go to that you experience the whole godlike and human and you really don't have any obstacles, um, in that place. Yeah, I think that because because reincarnation, when you go back, you're going back to a place of no time. So, I mean, there there could be Correct. eons and lifetimes, Correct. I mean, before you yep. even decide to go again. Yep. And I mean, the, the the way that. The way that we do it now. Right. I mean, because people here on Earth, I mean, they do ultra marathons and stuff. They really test their own abilities for physical growth in form. So I think we would be doing the same thing in spirit form outside of time. And like anybody who signed up for this Earth, I mean, you, you must have like picked up the brochure and you'd be like, oh, my gosh, these guys are like 5000 years away from monkeys Exactly. And they already figured yeah. out weapons big enough to destroy everything. <laughs> Who wants to go here? Yeah. And it's like, there has to right, be an I'll infinite try, number I'll of scenarios to pick up. from. Let's go. But given the evidence of what we can see now, we, we know Correct. the universe yeah. uh, infinite, but we also think that there could be right. an infinite number of universes. So based on the facts that we have now, the scenarios are endless. They're endless. The scenarios would be endless. The, yeah. And, and the most beautiful thing is inside that levels. to be able to find where you came from is like one of the most beautiful things. Like I, I get chills just when I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh, this is like where we, we, it's almost like we came here and we defeated this level doesn't matter what happens from here on out i mean we're 
where we've defeated what we came here to do right in this place right but as as long as yeah no yeah and and you the, see the, your work isn't done either because i mean you can see you can see the push out. You can see like there could be some kind of massive awakening that's happening. I mean, there's just keeping your awareness together and push, trying to push that awareness out. I mean, it definitely, um, I see what you're saying. It definitely is clear that that part has been achieved and there's, there's not, but it kind of goes what I was saying before, like with the master and the disciple where, and that's exactly what your experience was. It's like that moment when somebody else comes to mm-hmm. just makes perfection more perfect. I mean, perfection gets added to, and, but that's how, you know, you're on the right path. I mean, when, Exactly. When you're trying to add something to perfection, right? Yeah. And luckily, Eckhart's totally out there because that guy really knows. Having said that, if you want to (laughs) talk, stay on that discipline message. (laughs) Email us at thebackwardsinfect at gmail. (laughs) Message us however you need to message us. We'd love to have you on. We're on Twitter at backwards infect. Message us on there. Doesn't cost anything to be on our show. Maybe maybe your soul or your ego. Uh but that's that's about it. <laughs> Again, it's a safe place. Um if you have an awakening story, we'd love to hear it. If you have a uh, situation where you know you're feeling the anxiety you feel like you're you're knocking on the door we'd love to have you if you think that we're freaking crazy we'd love to talk to you doesn't matter doesn't matter you're not going to hurt our feelings at all i mean the questions the conversations we can agree to disagree um we're we're open to any and all conversations um ones of disagreement if you think your ego (laughs) it cannot can outsmart my ego no but in all yeah all seriousness whatever it is i mean hopefully there is no apprehensions by anyone that may may um have the the want to talk on the program because we're certainly not threatening at all um so yeah reach out however however you may and we would love to have a conversation